Welcome to another episode of Records for Business, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. This episode is our episode celebrating one of our greatest soundtracks of all time. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I am Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who is in the outskirts and in the fringes, on the edge and off the avenue. But if you want him, you can find him left of center. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean, you know, I almost went with the man who should not be confused with Blaine Fugate because because <laughs> because Blaine Fugate, that's an appliance. Right. I like that little reference you put in there, too. Absolutely. That was nice. Absolutely. So joining us for this episode, that's an unfamiliar voice. He is the man behind Orlando's best weekly radio show, three hours of radio that is fit for left of the dial. But instead, you can find it on WTKS Real Radio 104.1. Please welcome to the podcast, the curator of Sunday Night Vinyl. Here's Eric Dennison. Oh, awesome. Thank you. That was a nice introduction. We all we all deserve nice introductions. Totally. I, I agree with that. Well, I mean, it's just been uh, something that has been a labor of love for me since, well, years and years ago, I guess, uh, without going into a real long history, you know, 16 years of doing SMV. And every week that I went in there, it was uh, just like, you know, chance to hang out. I felt like it was a chance to just hang out with friends. I always felt like it was just a, you know, a couple people in my living room playing records, hanging out. I still kind of approach it the same way now, but, uh, yeah, excited to be back doing it. I, I hope that, that this podcast is going to be kind of that same same uh, view. We we love to just talk about music with music nerds like ourselves. So, And when we started thinking about this particular soundtrack, I couldn't think of anyone better to be a part of this discussion than you because I have to guess that you've probably played just about every song on this maybe give or take a, a song or two on your radio program at some point? Yeah, I think pretty much all of them have been played. You know, it, years ago, uh, after John Hughes passed, we did a show that just focused on uh, his soundtracks, so many great soundtracks that he put together. And uh, this one, I, I'm pretty certain we got just about every song off of it. And if not on that show, then I'm sure over the years, each one has been played at some point. Yep. And, I don't think that I've even introduced what soundtrack. So we are revisiting today the Pretty in Pink soundtrack from 1986. But before we jump into the soundtrack, we ask every week. So, uh, Eric, what T-shirt are you wearing today? So the T-shirt that I'm wearing is one that my wife got for me. It's uh, a combination of two things that I love. One would be Star Wars and the other is music. So it's Yoda with uh, headphones around his neck doing the classic, uh, using the force pose. And he's standing in front of a what looks like maybe a Pioneer DJ, DDJ SX, nice. which is a, a controller, DJ controller. And he's um, DJing with the force. So <laughs> fantastic. It's combining the two nerdy worlds. Both, both my, my youngest daughter loves this shirt. So if I tried it to wear something else, a lot of times she's like, are you going to wear that, uh, that green Yoda shirt? I'm like, uh, I can, I guess. Cause the other one I have, I have two Star Wars ones. I have one with Darth Vader and a surfboard, which is another one of my passions is surfing. Okay. And so she's, she's usually trying to push one of those on me. It's like, 
Yoda or, or Darth Vader? You you are not our first guest who has worn a Star Wars themed T-shirt. Right. So so Nick from Simply Three wore his uh, uh, Star Wars Seinfeld mashup uh, T-shirt for for our episode. So that's nice. I've seen that. It's a nice very, shirt. Very cool. All right. How about you, Wayne? What T-shirt are you wearing today? I don't have a lot of shirts with pink in them, but uh, I did recently get a David Bowie shirt that's got some pink on it. So I'm wearing my my David David Bowie. I like that yeah. representing David Bowie and pink. Fantastic. All right. So I am I'm wearing the latest addition to my collection. So uh, I attended the Hannah Harbor and the Lionhearts album release party last night. So I'm giving out a little love to a local act and uh, I'll be posting this on the Instagram under the records revisit podcast hashtag really love the show. Uh, the record was produced by Thomas Wynn, who I've shouted out, oh, yeah. I've shouted out in previous episodes. Thomas just happens to be Hannah's significant other. And uh, there's a, there's a few of the, the believers that are part of the uh, part, part of the band for, for Hannah. So um Nice. Yeah, Eric, and you're you're local to the Orlando area, like I am. You familiar at all with Thomas uh, Thomas Wynn? Yeah, and he's got a really good following here. I, it, it's there's a little group of them between Thomas Wynn and um, who's the the girl that he's playing with quite a bit. Um, not in the group, but that plays shows with him frequently. Uh, Beth McKee. Oh, that was it. That might be it. Because I, I there's uh, there's like two or three bands that all kind of play together. Um, but I think Thomas Wynn is probably the most popular out of them. But as I'm getting older, I'm getting out to shows less. So I haven't seen them, uh, but I've definitely heard a lot about them. I, I mean, if you're listening to the tunes that you spin on Sunday Night Vinyl, probably not completely in your wheelhouse, but really good time. They are some awesome musicians. And last night was last night was a good time. So. Um, and I talked to Hannah last night as well. So we're going to try and get her on a podcast episode, uh, shortly so that we can talk about, talk about the record and, um, yeah. So it was a good, cool. good times. So, um, before we dive into pretty and pink, so let's chat about Sunday night vinyl, if you don't mind. Uh, so sure. even for episodes that I still miss. I still have to peek at your playlist that you put on the Facebook page <laughs> because I want to see what you selected for that week. And usually your set lists are spot on, give or take maybe a Catherine Will song or two. Is there, did, did, are you a <laughs> Catherine Will fan or do you have a fan that's a Catherine Will fan? I, I'm a Catherine Will fan, but I'm, I'm really uh, more a fan of the, that era of like early 90s i love all yeah. of it going back to you know 70s and and all that but the um neo psychedelic stuff that was coming out the whole manchester scene that okay. was happening in the early 90s catherine wheel were part of all that and so it, it was the pre-brit pop stuff that i started really getting into it was, it was the genre that got shattered by uh smells like teen yeah. spirit i mean it was literally it was starting to happen like like catherine will that song black metallic that i played um, now, now, last week, I think it was their cover of Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. That was um, that was a request from one of our uh, supporters up in Tennessee. OK. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the, that covers, you know, it's a decent cover, but also Black Metallic, which was one of their biggest hits. It was um, getting hammered quite a bit by the station out in Los Angeles called K-Rock, yeah. which yeah. a lot of people know K-Rock. You've probably heard of it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so they they had actually hammered that one and really pushed things forward for for Catherine Wheel. And it was the album that came after that. That was the Furman album. Then Chrome came out, which really became, I think, the it's I wouldn't say crossover because they didn't really break out of alternative radio, but that was the one that you know topped the charts and was played on alternative stations all around the U.S. Um, and kind of cemented my interest in in them. But so each week I start really with with uh, three blank sheets of paper. I I rarely pick much out for the show. So like when uh, when you sent me the the email about um about whether I'm prepping on Sunday, there is some weeks that there will be a little bit of prep that goes into it. But honestly, a lot of it is very stream of consciousness. It is as the requests come in, I'm going through the feed and I'm looking through, I'm like, okay, that will sound good after this. Um, There's a style that I haven't played in a long time. There's a record that I haven't thought about in a long time. Um, So it really is, uh, I I never know what it's going to be each week. Now I'll I'll pre-pick the new music. Now I'll come in with like three new songs a week that I, I want to try to get out there um, just because I, I'm always reaching for the, the new music. As much as I love all the classics, you know, I, I, I just love music yeah. and I, I want to keep hearing what's coming out um, and to, <laughs> excuse me, try to share that with um, maybe some of the people out there that aren't keeping up on music so much anymore. Because we're all kind of, you know, as we get older, we tend to, just sort of stick with what we know and not necessarily reach out for things that are new, um, the casual listeners. And so that's part of why I started playing new music years ago. But uh, yeah, I never know what I'm going to get from week to week. So, so I want to touch on a couple of those things. So because of you always looking for that new thing, thank you for telling me that gang of four has new music. That's that. Oh yeah, you're, totally. You're the reason why I, I found out Gang of Four has has new music and it's, it's awesome. Um, but I do want to go back to your your comment about your you know your listener in Tennessee. So you have a Patreon um, that's set yes. up. Um, I still need to contribute to your Patreon. Um, I'm uh, you know I'm funding. Oh, it's all good. I'm fun. <laughs> I'm fun. I'm funding our podcast right now. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what's the contribution level that I need to get one of the Sunday night vinyl t-shirts? The t-shirt level is the highest level. That one, that one gets a little pricey. I'm actually, um, excited that there are people that are at that level. Cause when I first put it together, I was like, well, it's a little high cause it's 30 bucks a month yeah. to, to get at the t-shirt level. And, um, you know, we, we only recently kind of solidified the logo. We had a, like a few different ideas that were put together by a local firm here called Anson Stoner. And they gave us three different mock-ups and uh, I put them out there and just said, Hey, just vote on them. Let me know what you think. And the, the uh, overall winner was the one that kind of, to me, looks like the seventies logo for Saturday night live. Okay, That's what it reminds me. I don't know why, but that's, that's what I, I kind of see in it, but it, it's kind of the, the standard um, vinyl record you know, logo that you see with a lot of shows, but, but it's uh, supposed to be a little more subtle with how the tone arm is and all that stuff. But anyway, so we haven't made shirts yet, but the shirts that we're going to do are going to say Patreon supporter. They're going to be exclusive to Patreon and the only way you can get them. So we have a a handful of people right now that are doing that. The, uh, the next level lower is, uh, you know, a, a CD and everything else below it. 
and that one's like $15 and we've got some people on that. But the basic one is a dollar, you know, a dollar a month is the podcast, uh, $5 a month is podcast and all the SMV shows. So what I've been doing is each week as we do it, we're recording the show and then I take that and I put it up for uh, the Patreon folk. That way they, if they miss it, they can listen to it, you know, uh, anytime during the week, that nice. kind of thing. All right. Well, I, I need so. to get on it, I guess. Um, or you can, or you can send me a t-shirt. I'll wear it every episode for a month. In fact, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you heard at the beginning of our show, we're, we're always trying to give a little promotional love to, uh, to some of the bands that we like. So yeah. totally. Yeah. And I, I'm going to do other shirts too. I'm going to make sure I okay. do SMV shirts. Uh, this is just one that I wanted to do before I did this, the regular SMV shirts that will get out there, I wanted to do ones that were going to be exclusive for, you know, the people that were willing to part with their money, you know, to help me get this moving, you know, because um, this, this time around, it's, it's, uh, it's totally new for me how we're doing this. You know, uh, for the first 16 years of doing the show, I was a Clear Channel or iHeart, as they're now called, I guess, um, an iHeart employee. And uh, when we talked about doing the show, we just kind of were like, well, let's see, how can we make this work to where I can retain ownership? Because that was the main thing I wanted this time. So I wanted to be able to have this be yeah. my thing and not be, you know, uh, tied down to uh, iHeart and not have the ability to grow. So um, this is how they worked it out. They said, OK, well, you're an independent contractor. Um, you need to pay somebody to, uh, to run that board because you can't, I can't touch it. Okay. So I don't, I don't use any of their equipment. I basically bring in my computer, my, uh, my, uh, controller and I run it through, uh, XLRs into their board and they run the audio. Gotcha. Out. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, we, we, then you, we definitely need your Patreon love, right? Cause you're, cause yeah. you're paying the guy to run the board. Totally. And, and, you know, they, they've given me the ability to go out and, and get sponsors, but um, they're, they're kind of limited on that right now. Uh, we have one, we have Re uh, Remix Record Shop, which is our sponsor. Nice. And we're looking to try to add additional, but we're also, um, without getting into a whole lot of the behind the scenes stuff, um, we are still trying to get contract stuff, okay. you know, taken care of so technically i'm not, <laughs> i'm not fully back yet which is surprising considering that we started doing the show again in october um and we have not uh settled a contract yet we're still working on yeah. it. yeah so you you relaunched about the time that we launched our podcast um i do have to tell you so as a as a personal aside so you're partially to blame for my podcast love but believe it, oh, believe nice. it or not. So when, so when uh, Sunday Night Vinyl went off the air in 2010, I was delivering pizzas on the weekends to make a little bit of scratch for the for the for the yeah, fam. Yeah. And so my go-to was listening to 104.1 Sunday Night Vinyl, and then all of a sudden, one week it just wasn't on, and I'm like, why are we? Why am I listening to Def Leppard and the Eagles now? because right, they right. completely changed their format to do that you know classic rock garbage that they were trying to push down our throats and so i i went and started listening to podcasts that that became my go-to thing when i was delivering and luckily and luckily i don't have to do that crap anymore um yeah but, yeah uh yeah that's uh that's my little aside i was like 
yeah, Eric and Sunday Night Vinyl going off the air is is partially to blame for my diving into podcasts and um, starting to uh, starting to enjoy that 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 form of media. So I guess that's kind of the the good that oh, yeah, came yeah, out yeah. of it because. You know, because um, yeah, I, I'm actually real late to the podcast game. I've I've only you know over the last probably year or less, a little less than that, have been you know kind of checking out some of the different podcasts out there. And now there's a a million of them. It's crazy how many, um, but they're addictive. It's kind of like you know when you you have a day off and you you know pop on Netflix and you you binge watch because <laughs> I've been guilty of doing that. Um, but the podcasting is the same yeah, thing. Absolutely. Start going back in all these old episodes. But and by the way, one of one of the podcasts that I do listen to on a on a regular basis is Scotch and Good Conversation. And you did you did an nice. episode with Peter, um, you know, a couple couple months ago. Um, and yep. so for anyone who is listening, please go out and and show some love to Peter because that's a really it's a really fun podcast where it's just Peter and free flowing conversation and you're going to want to check that out just for the Darth Vader cookie jar conversation. <laughs> That's right. That was pretty funny. That cracked me up when he brought that. I was like, oh what? My gosh, that, was, that was so good. All right. So we've, we've, have we, have we talked enough about Sunday night vinyl? So good. Sure. Okay. I, I appreciate it. that. Was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so Wayne. Yes. T- tell me, tell me about the movie itself. Because we brought this up on a previous episode, you went out and purchased it, and what's what's your thoughts? You know, I kept re- I, I well, first of all, I can't believe I didn't see this in the eighties or the nineties. Um, and when people would talk about it, I would just like just look the other way or start trying to change the subject because I had never seen it until what two weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, I on Amazon it was. Three ninety nine to rent or four ninety nine to buy it. So I just thought, oh, I'll just you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll it's a classic. I'll watch it again. Uh, I don't think it stands up very well. I think it's uh, Howard Deutsch. I think his directing uh, had just, it, it to me. It doesn't stand up as a as a movie, a coming of age movie or a Wrong Side of the Tracks movie. Or it doesn't. It lacks some of the uh, I don't know the cleverness and passion of most uh, John Hughes movies, you know, and I think, I think I gave this more of a pass because I love the soundtrack so much that somewhere over the years I adopted the, no, I, I think I like this movie and you, and Wayne, you'll, you'll appreciate this. So I was, I was texting my friend, Richard, who I saw this movie in the theater with. And in fact, we saw it, the week before it actually got released to mass the mass audiences. And we even had to fill out a little card that said whether or not we liked it or not. And I, and, <laughs> and so I, I texted him like, I don't remember what I said. He said, and he, he texted me back. He's like, you said it sucked, but the music was good. And I, <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh yeah, maybe I did. And so I watched this movie again a couple weeks ago, prepping for this episode with my wife and my daughter. And I remembered that this movie's not that great. I mean, it does, yeah. it doesn't hold up to like some kind of wonderful is a great movie. Um, yeah, totally. And, and the, well, and the music in that is incredible as well, but this particular one uh, doesn't well, hold, doesn't hold up. Didn't we watch Breakfast Club like every day for 
a month and a half. A lot. Like literally every day we watched it. I can Yeah, I think I think that's probably the best one that he did out of those those movies, out of the teenage ones. That's probably my favorite. I think I can oh, I think I can still quote almost all of Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's such a it's such a quotable movie. Um Ferris Bueller, I think I can quote most of Ferris Bueller as well. There was something about that time frame with those John Hugh movies that just, I don't know, but Some Kind of Wonderful is better. And maybe it's because it has Leah Thompson in it. And we've, we've already discussed Leah Thompson on a previous episode, Wayne, right? Marty McFly's mom, yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, see, I, I definitely like uh, Some Kind of Wonderful, but I, I, I've known a few, more than a, a couple people that did not like that one. I actually have one friend of mine, she used to, um, you know, one of the lines in that movie that drove her nuts was Leah Thompson standing in the doorway. And he's like, are you ready to go? And she's like, well, I'm standing in an open doorway, so I guess I am. You know, and she used to, it drove her nuts. She's like, that's such a stupid line. I don't, I don't, I don't that, that's a dumb movie. Why do you like that movie? It's so dumb. I was just like, it's just, it's good. There's, there's, you know, I don't know. I didn't articulate it very well back then. I don't know that I'll do much better now, but, uh, but there, there is something um, about, even though the storyline probably shares some similar elements to the, uh, to 16 Candles and even Pretty in Pink, which is, you know, the person who is on the one side of the tracks who shouldn't be able to go out with a person who's a quote unquote Richie. You know, it's it's the same type of concept, but uh, I, I think I like it better using that premise in some kind of wonderful than I did when John Hughes did it with uh, Pretty in Pink. Right. right. Yeah. Although I do, I, I like Pretty in Pink more than probably, I think I have a more favorable view of that one than I think you guys do, but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, maybe maybe that's our next podcast, Wayne. Uh, going going back and revisiting '80s movies. Yeah, I think that's a slippery slope because I think a lot of them we <laughs> we remember. That's the thing is, I thought maybe if I had saw this in '86, then I'd have some nostalgia and it might give it some. It might have held up better, but I seeing it in, in, in modern day, it just it didn't hold up. And like I said, then reading all of the. Uh, the different people who were cat who were set to be, you know, to play like Michael Anthony Hall. I think he would have been a much better ducky than John. There's something gay about John Cryer. Not that I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. But right, right. I don't. He doesn't seem believable trying to pick up a girl. It doesn't. It doesn't look right. Yeah, no. He he does have that that vibe that he is not really into her. You know, I mean, like that. He's just more into her because he sort of has to be. You know, as opposed to really being, you know, inter, actually interested in a girl. But anyway, again, not, not, not there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> hey, <laughs> becoming a Seinfeld episode. It, it totally is. <laughs> I was just it thinking that. It all worked that. out for Ducky in the end because he got Christy Swanson. Oh, the original Va- Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah nice. absolutely. Well, in the movie, anyways. So, uh, well, the so, movie came out so, before so, the so, so going back to your point about holding up, like, I had a nostalgia for war games. Do you remember that, that movie? Oh yeah. And, wow. and, and I watched, and I watched it a couple of years ago. And I'm like, man, that sucks. <laughs> so, so I, so I totally get the whole, you know, nostalgia thing and, and thinking that it's better than it really is. But yeah. 
I think I think part of that is the fact that we did watch it when we were a lot younger. You know, when War Games came out, I was twelve. Yeah. I think, and I was, you know, and, and there was, you know, this this concern with the Cold War going on. So there was some concern there that, you know, um, that this could actually really happen. So it had a somewhat of a believable premise to me at at twelve year old me, um, and. So, so that one, I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd need to see it again because it's, it's been a long time. But uh, in Pretty in Pink, there is definitely um, nostalgia attached to that. I was, you know, um, see what <laughs> that was eighty six. So I was yeah. fifteen. I was fifteen when that came out, and you know, I was their demo. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that I, 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 I was thinking that way. You know, so as an adult, I mean, and, and it's been a little while since I've seen it. Um, so I probably do need to go back and check it out again before, you know, really being uh, uh, steadfast and true to my thought that it was actually good. Well, I don't know. It's it been is a long on Netflix time. right now. So Wayne went and purchased it. And like a week later, it showed up on Netflix for free. So, so <laughs> you don't need to go out and purchase it. It's, it's, it's already out there for you. And one thing I will say is uh, James Spader and Andrew McCarthy – they're knocking off Don Johnson in 1986. That probably would have seemed cool. And now when you see it on video, you're like, what <laughs> the, the white, yeah, pants, yeah. the white pants and the shoes with no socks and the matching white blazer. What's right. going on here? And totally indicative of the yeah. time. Get the shoulder certain. pads out of that thing. And, yeah, right. And what a difference like a year and a half makes too, because those two would also go in um, to what, what was the, uh, what was the drug movie? Um, less, 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 than zero, uh, less than zero. zero. And, yeah. um, what's, what's interesting on that is, you know, going back to what Wayne was talking about with the, the casting of John Cryer. So Robert Downey Jr. was one of the individuals that they thought about casting for Ducky. And that's interesting that with less than zero, he and was I, the druggie. He was the druggie. And- he was, uh, yeah, yeah. he was actually Molly Ringwald's choice. Okay. Uh, for for the Ducky character, I know John Hughes wrote it with Michael Anthony Hall, and he, I mean to his credit, he he was typecast as a yeah. geek. I don't know that this would have helped that that, but uh, yeah, Molly Ringwald. I read something where she said she was pushing uh, Robert Downey Jr. All right, anything else on the casting before we actually talk about the music? I don't know. I I think uh, you know it would have been interesting to see you know if uh, they had kind of. If if she hadn't been the one that they picked, because I know there were a few girls that they had had in mind. Um, when, didn't you say Christy, Christy Swanson was one of them that was considered? Is there there was I don't know I if she, she was, was in it, but she was part of that. Uh, you know, she's the blonde that looks at Ducky at the end, and and yeah, yeah. I heard Tatum O'Neill and Jodie Foster were a couple. Okay, because I guess Molly Ringwald turned it down. She was. But they talked her back into it. She, I, I can't remember what it was. She saw something and it changed her mind. But she originally didn't want to do it. I would have been. I think it would have been interest, interesting to see uh, Robert Downey Jr. in that role instead of John Cryer. I think John Cryer did a good job. But like we said, I mean, how it it he wasn't completely believable as being yeah. truly into her, you know. All right. Um, oh, there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up because Wayne, you and I had talked about Annie Potts. Oh, Corvette, Corvette Summer. Summer. Was she in that? That was her first Mark, role, I believe. Yeah. Mark Hamill. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. So that that was one of your first crushes, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. I remember I had to see Corvette Summer just because Luke Skywalker was in it, and then that's when, totally. Yeah, that's when I I fell in love with Annie Potts. Yeah. Oh man, I, I'm gonna have to go back and try. Now that's one I'm curious if that one holds oh, up at all. I, I won't go see it because I there's no. It wasn't. A, it wasn't even a, a good movie in what eighty two, eighty one. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's no way it's good now. <laughs> I'm scared to see it. I don't want to ruin that. I don't want to take that away from me. Maybe we have a viewing party and we kind of do it like a mystery time <laughs> theater um, to, to, to that. Nice. I like that. All right. Uh, what, just one other thing on, on people who appear in, in the movie. You notice that uh, Andrew Dice Clay is in it. Yep. Yes. He's, yeah. Yeah. He's the bouncer. Yeah. Yeah. And they even, they even mention him by name. Yeah. The like, dice they, man. They, yeah. Yeah. The dice man. So I thought that was. He's even doing his cigarette thing like he was practicing it in between people coming in, checking him at the door. He's practicing. Yeah, and it wasn't that long after that, too. Wasn't it like a year or so after that yeah. that he really started blowing oh, up? Oh, yeah. He blew up. He blew up. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. For, and then, then boom. Just like that. Yep. Yeah, it was over. Ford Fairland killed him. <laughs> Speaking of bad movies, right? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So let's let's talk about the songs that didn't make the official soundtrack. Of course, try a little tenderness. That is a very pivotal scene in in the movie. That's an Otis Redding song that did not make make the cut. Copacabana, luckily, did 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 not also <laughs> make the cut on that. And right. uh, Cherish by the Association did not make the cut on that. Um, what I, I have a soft spot for that, by the way. I love the association. Yeah, well, my dad was a DJ in the, the 60s okay. and 70s. So I grew up on 50s and 60s. And the association was one of the bands he used to play. Like, I have lots of memories of him sitting on the floor, you know, uh, controlling what was going to get played. And at the time, I was like, oh, that stuff is terrible. But like now, you know, and, and some of that is nostalgia. But uh, I, I that's one of those to me that, you know, I will always make me think of my dad. So I like that one. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, Thieves Like Us by New Order. Love it. Yep. Used, used in the montage scene where Andy is making her dress. Really great song. One of my favorite New Order songs. Really, uh, I guess, kind of, kind of, kind of sad that it didn't make the cut. Um, also, there's two songs by the Rave Ups. So there's Rave Up, Shut Up. And then there's also Positive positively lost me those are during the uh the scene where the band is playing in the club where andy brings blaine to the club for the first time yep. to meet ducky and iona and positively lost me love the song i mean it totally sounds yeah, awesome. totally sounds like a pil song at first until the singer you know sings and you realize that it's not jotting Lydon. but um yeah 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 really really love that song um and just as an aside so uh, I uh, I actually emailed Jimmer Podrosky. I think that's how you uh, you you say his name, um, asking him if he wanted to uh, to to come on an episode, and he, he as he's been ignoring me. So <laughs> oh, yeah, so I feel gotta keep on him. I'm, Just keep I'm, on. I'm him. gonna keep on him. So if any any listeners know Jimmer, please tell him that we want him on a podcast because that first rave ups. So I I bought the. I bought the Rave Ups album because of this. And the Town and Country. Oh, it's such a good album. Like yeah, really, yeah. really underappreciated album. So. You lost the love and you lost me. 
I want to take this this particular scoring a little bit different angle. So we're gonna we're gonna go through the scoring, but after we do the scoring, I want you guys to to say whether or not this song is better or worse than Positively Lost Me, because <laughs> that was noticeably absent from the final soundtrack. That's going to be tough. I mean, because I, I love that song too. And it was one of the songs that made me want to get the soundtrack. And then I was bummed out that it wasn't me on there. Me too. Me too. Totally. All right. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Uh, well, at least Eric and I are. Wayne? No, and I like, I'm surprised that song wasn't on there. I actually um, would have replaced uh, Danny Hutton hitters with anything in the world, but particularly that song. Yes. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, totally yeah, agree. Spoiler alert on that. All right. So as we do for episodes like this, we're going to listen to the record. We're going to rank the songs off the album. Each ranking is assigned points based off of the number of songs on the album. This record, 10 songs. Therefore, our top pick is going to get 10 points. We're going to each provide a ranking and assign the points. And so let's jump right into it. So this is the first song. This is If You Leave by OMD. So the full name of the band is actual, actually Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. It's actually a nerdy euphemism for for sex. Um, I, however, I would caution any listeners, if you're trying to woo your loved one into having sex with you, you may not want to ask them, hey, baby, do you want to go upstairs for some Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark? <laughs> um, I'm just going to say things dry up with that fr- phraseology. So... It only it only works for uh, Andy McCluskey, uh, right? That's the only one that it works for. Probably, probably, probably. All right. So this was the highest charting song off the off the soundtrack. It reached number four on the charts, and is actually the highest charting song of their career, at least for the U.S. Um, subsequent songs, uh, "Forever Live and Die," that did hit the Billboard Hot 100, peaked at 19. "So in Love" peaked at 26. Um, and do you guys know the 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 background on this particular song? So I didn't know it until I did I did look it up because I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested. I read a little bit on this, and so I don't know if I have it 100, but I from what I read, um, this wasn't the original song that they had submitted to the soundtrack. It was going to be Goddess yeah. of Love, and then there's the whole alternate ending thing that happened. From what I uh, saw it said that um, this was actually written in about two hours yeah. and it was very last second. Like it was one of those, they'd already written the book. The book was out there with the alternate ending and this song, you know, they basically went to them and said, okay, the uh, goddess of love isn't going to work with her ending up with Blaine. So give us something else. They wrote that in like 
like two hours. Yeah, and I and I read I read that the song that the the kids are dancing to in the in the that final scene is Don't You Forget About Me. That was Don't You Forget About Me. And so if you if you listen to if you look at that listening to if you leave, they're not on they're they're not in rhythm. <laughs> to to if yeah, you leave. <laughs> and I didn't notice that at first either, obviously watching it the first time. And then I read that same thing that they wrote if you leave at 120 beats per minute right. to match Don't You Forget About Me. And then they messed it up in editing anyway. And it has all but it's funny is they're white people, so you're like, there's there's that I just assume that's <laughs> I, I, just, to be off. I just assumed it's on the one and the three. I, I was just I That's was just awesome. going to say, I thought it was typical 80s dancing where kids didn't have any rhythm and they were just out there. See, I never knew that. I, now I'm going to have to watch it because <laughs> I want to see that scene and see how off it is. Uh, so, so, Eric, being the DJ, how many times do you think that you've played this song in your lifetime? Oh, my gosh. If I had to guess, I uh, at least, I'd say at least 400 times. Over the course of the Real Music Weekend, because it was that and So In Love were the two that we played yeah. the most. And then also with the Cairo Nights, DJing at Cairo, it was, uh, you know, that and, and uh, uh, We Love You and Dreaming were like the, the oh, top yeah. ones that we used to play out there. Um, and, and Ibar, same thing. And then, of course, on SMV. So, yeah, if I, that's a ballpark, I would say somewhere yeah. in that area. All right, let's let's get some score. So Wayne, what's your score? Uh, I gave it a three. I I really like this soundtrack. There's not uh, there's only a one song for sure that I would say I don't like. Um, but this one, just some of the other songs are just so uh, iconic uh, and so mean so much more to me that this one's down on the bottom. And I know I guess this is like their biggest hit in America, which I guess just drives like true OMD fans just out of their mind. Right. So, so did you tank this because of what Ira said about this song on our Regatta de Blanc episode? No, I will say this as much as I love Ira. I listened to that right after that podcast. I listened to their version, which they don't change keys and it, it messes up the song. I, and maybe that's because I'm used to hearing it where the, with all the key yeah. changes. Um, but I think there, the, the, the not a surf version is, is lacking something, keeping it all in the same. So, team. so Eric, we had Ira Elliott from not a surf on an episode a couple weeks ago and, and not nice. a surf does a version of, of this, that it was on either one tree hill or the OC. I think it was the OC. Was yeah. OC. And, okay. um, he, he said that they, they were approached by some placement guys. They wanted a version of if you leave. So they, so they did a version where, they weren't having to change the keys on it. Cause if you listen to, if you leave, I mean, they're changing the keys, like what every six bars, maybe you said every eight, every bars. eight bars. Yeah. So, um, I actually really like the not a surf version, but maybe it's just because you know how I am with my not a surf love. So uh, <laughs> I like, I like their version a lot. Not a surf actually has one of my favorite songs of all time that they did a, a track called always love. I don't know if that's, one of their real popular ones or not, but that's one that I've, love, I just love, love lyrically. That song. Love that song. All right. Um, Eric, what's your score on this? So I actually gave this a nine. Okay. And a lot of that is because I, I was impressed at how quickly they put that together. You know, it, I, I, one, the fact that there's so much familiarity to it and it became such a big 
hit for them, but the it, it feels like the movie to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it 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 definitely and it could just be because that's, you know, was the lead track that that everyone attaches uh, that movie to. Um, but I think, uh, you know, part of the scoring was the fact that they they whipped that up so quickly. Yeah. And I don't know. Okay. So I think they did a good job. They did. Absolutely. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. So I gave I gave this a seven. So our, our scores are kind of all over the place on that one. So, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's get to the second track. So this is left of center. This is credited to Susan Vega and also Joe Jackson. I think they think I must be out of touch, but I'm only in the outskirts and in the fringes on the edge and off the avenue. And if you want me, you can find me left of center wondering about you. I think that somehow, somewhere inside of us, we must be similar, if not the same. So I can All right, so I, I've got to ask this. So why exactly do you give Joe Jackson co-credits for this? Like, he provides the piano. I Great, I guess. But maybe I he mean, arranged it. If he arranged maybe, the piano part, I think you got to give him a songwriting credit. Yeah, but Don Henley wouldn't have given Bruce Hornsby co-credits for piano work in End of the Innocence. So maybe, maybe he wrote what? the piano part. Then he didn't maybe. have to. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it, some some of these things can be contractual things with the label that uh, he was on A and M. Okay, so it's possible that A and M, you know, when it be, you have two labels that are sharing on a soundtrack, they just want their credit. Yeah, so that could be the situation there where Joe Jackson they wanted his name so that it helps get promotion for him. Okay, you know, although I think more people would have known Joe Jackson yeah. than. You know, Suzanne Vega at that point. Anyway, yeah, at that, point. At that yeah. point. Yeah. All right. I think this is a this is a perfect song for the movie. This is where I'm going to overanalyze it. So Andy, not popular. She's left of center. Ducky, not popular. Left of center. And even though Blaine is part of the rich kids, I don't think he's really part of the popular portion of the rich kids. So I think he's a little left of center as well. And I don't, and I don't think the lyrics were written with the characters in mind, but I think that this fits perfectly with the mood of the movie. My, uh, my overanalyzing this again, Wayne. Oh, that's your thing. But uh, I, I think you're right. <laughs> but uh... all right. So uh, before we get to scoring, so anyone want to add anything on Susan Vega or Joe Jackson or this song? I mean, uh. I, I I do I, I like that song and I I don't want to give away my score on it yet but um, I I think that uh, I I'll agree with you on that it does kind of share this overall you know feeling that we're I think everybody even the Blaine character or or uh, uh, what's his name uh, the uh, D- not Ducky the the I just completely forgot uh, Spader's oh, character uh, Steph Steph. Steph. Okay. So even Steph, even though the, you know, he's this major, you know, jerk, um, he is still left. We're all left of center. Like everybody, even him is left of center because, but it's in a different way. Like he has got to maintain that image. He's got to, you know, be the, the, the cool guy, whatever it is. And so, you know, inside, I'm sure he's 
not feel he's feeling the pressure of whatever it is he has to try to maintain that image so i think the song does apply to really any character that's in that movie um but i i feel on a personal level that you know it i suzanne vega's vocals although i like her um just feel thin yeah in that song okay but anyway yeah. all right well let's let's get some scoring so eric what's your score so I gave it a five. I, okay. I, I do like the song. I love Joe Jackson. Uh, but like I said, I, I feel like it's just, um, I feel like it's missing something. I feel like there's not enough uh, passion in, in her voice. Okay. Wayne? Yeah, I gave it a two. I'm not a huge Suzanne Vega fan. I don't dislike her. Um, I, I, it would have gotten a higher score if I'd have known. I did read about the Joe Jackson piano part later. That probably would have influenced me because I love Joe Jackson. Look Sharp's probably one of my top 10 favorite records. Um, but I, I just didn't, I've never been a big, huge fan of hers and I don't connect to her. And it didn't say, I could say I, this to me is like supposed to be a new wave soundtrack. And I just, while the concept seems new wave, the song just doesn't. Okay. So I get, I gave it a six. I, 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 I guess I liked it a little, little bit more than you guys. I'm with you, Eric. I, I really dig Joe Jackson. Um, and I do, and I do like Susan Vega. I, I, and maybe again, it's part of my over analysis of <laughs> of the song and how it relates to the characters. Why I might I may have given it a little bit higher scoring. Well, I I totally agree with you on the lyric side of it. You know, I, I think, like I said, I think it it can apply to any of the characters. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just yeah, it's just the the vocal for me. I feel is, and 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 I agree too with with Wayne that it sort of sticks out a little bit. You know, because it, it doesn't really feel. Um, you know, in line with what's going on with OMD and, and even Psych Furs, you know? Well, good good segue into that concept. So <laughs> here's number number the number three song, which always has felt out of place for me. This is Jesse Johnson, Get to Know Ya. So let's let, let's talk about this particular song. So Jesse Johnson was part of Morris Day in the Times um, Times Band. He left the band, had signed a solo deal with A and M Records in ah. 1984. Which um, I've always kind of felt like this song was a little out of place for the rest of the soundtrack. And maybe I'm reading two and two uh, on this of. Jesse Johnson probably got some placement in the album because of his contribution to A&M records. Definitely. Yeah, that would make sense. I can see that. Yeah. So, so he was, he was part of the, 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 the time. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know this. Uh, I, I, I like this song, you know, how I love my prints. So this this definitely feels like a Prince song to me, 
but it, again, it just it feels a little out of place for for the record. And um, so I'm giving I'm giving this a score of three. Um, what do you guys have to say about Jesse Johnson? Uh, yeah, I I actually didn't know that he was in the time. I don't know much about him at all. Um, but I I do know that you know the song totally sounds out of place to me. Just like you said, I it it was to me always the one track that I I, I skipped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't sit through it. Um, that probably may give away my score, but. <laughs> So what is your score? So my my score was a one. This okay. is to me the, the weakest song on the entire album. Yeah. Um, Wayne, what, what do you got for uh, Jesse Johnson? I gave it a four and I know it gets a lot of points because I've always liked the time. Um, I didn't realize that Prince actually wrote all of the songs for their first two albums. Um, yeah. But he clearly being involved with Prince, you can hear that influence on there. And I, this is the one I totally agree that I think the scene that it's played in, it doesn't, it doesn't seem so out of place. I think they're in the hallway. Um, at okay, the, at I was the, just going to ask what, what, what scene was I that? Pretty, I believe it's early in the film and they're, st- they're in the hall, the, the crowded hallway, with, you know, with the lockers at the, at the high school. But I, yeah. I did give, it got credit because uh, I really like the time um, and I really like uh, guitar and this is a much more guitar driven. And I kind of took this one out of the, cause it doesn't, it's absolutely of all of these songs. It, it is, it doesn't make any sense. And I, it's gotta be a placement thing for a and M, but I took it out of that, that and kind of judged it separately, which I did yeah. feel bad. Cause I didn't do that for Suzanne Vega. I can respect <laughs> that because had I known that he was in the time, I, I love Prince too. And, and I definitely have respect for the things that he's written. Um, so maybe if I'd known that, that may have had some influence, but just going off strictly off of, you know, where it falls in the soundtrack, uh, it to me always was the weakest. Yep. Agreed. All right. Let's move over to uh, track number four. This is In Excess and Do What You Do. And it's what? W-O-T. What? All right, Wayne, get 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 us started on do what you do. Now, number one, I couldn't. I watched the movie twice and could not find the song in the movie. Um, okay, I don't. I don't. I looked. I was looking the second time specifically for this song and I couldn't find it. Um, but I know it always. Whenever I hear, I heard this song, listening to it, you know, for research for the. It. I realize that I don't listen to NXS as much as I I would like to or want to, and I think that. It's because when I did, it makes me sad. You know, Michael Hutchins passing just makes me sad. Um, and listening to NXS is difficult yeah. to do sometimes. I mean, because of that. And like I say, I I was I got sidebarred onto a bunch of different articles and um, the way it happened. And I actually ended up coming across a great video uh, 
Bruce Springsteen did Don't Change live in Sydney in like 2014. And Tom Morello joins them. Steve Van Zant comes back. And they're all four playing guitar. It's really an incredible, sort of giving me a little tear in my eye. Because I mean, like I say, I do miss Michael Hutchins. He was such, I could, that was one guy that you could have put him with anybody and he would have, he was a rock star. He was going to be a rock star. You couldn't stop it. No matter, no yeah, matter totally. what you did, you couldn't stop it. My first man crush. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Amazingly talented. And in my top 10 albums of all time is Shabu Shabba. Nice. Oh. Uh, that is, that's my go-to in excess as well. So yeah, I think, I think my favorite in excess song is probably to look at you. That would probably be, it, it's tough because, you know, like with any band, it, it really depends on what mood you're in yeah. and, and, you know, cause uh, stylistically they did evolve from album to album and, you know, those first couple albums, well, uh, first four albums, I guess, if you count the self-titled and, uh, I always forget what the album was that came out after the, the, the very first album was just in excess. And then they had the other one that had, um, on a beach on it or something like that. I don't remember what that one was, but the second album, then Shabu Shaba and then the swing that right there, those four to me are like perfect. Yeah. Well, we, we've been, we've been teasing going to, uh, to do kick because that's really the most accessible in excess album. And su yep. surprisingly enough, because I thought that this song would have been around the time of listen like thieves. So I would have thought that this would have been a, you know, uh, a listen like thieves throwaway. This is actually off of the deluxe version of kick. Um, and I thought it was odd. Cause again, I thought it was more of a listen like thieves time period. Um, and, and really, I think I give this a little bit less score because I feel like this is if listen like thieves procreated with mystify, this is the song that you would get as the offspring. Oh, nice. Okay. I can see so, that. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I gave it just a little bit less score because of that. Um, and, and it pains me to say that I gave this a five. There's just too many other really good songs on this, on this album for me to give more love to this. Um, Wayne, what, what, what did you give this score? Oh, uh, my heart led me uh, and I gave it a nine. Gotcha. How about you, Eric? What uh, what score are you giving this? Well, and I don't like that I scored this one as low as I did either. I, I went four on this track, mainly because it's one of my least favorite In Excess songs. Um, and and I, I think part of that is because to me, it seems it, it feels like it's a yeah. transition song. Like it feels like something that it, that was happening it probably because it was happening somewhere between listen like thieves and kick. Like you said, it was on the deluxe version of kick. So it's probably closer to that era, but it, to me just felt like it, um, it feels like a demo. Wasn't yeah, it feels like a demo for one. Yeah. 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 All right. Wayne, any, any, anything else on, uh, Michael and the boys? No, I, I agree. I, th but I, I would say it may have been on the kick, uh, deluxe, edition but this is i agree with you this is definitely written or done around that listen like thieves time i wouldn't be surprised if this was something that just didn't yeah. come out till later yeah. like they just missed listen like thieves because it definitely has and that's probably what i would say that that might be my favorite nxs album um and that that would i'm sure like i say my heart was leading me it was <laughs> nostalgia i got i got wrapped up in wikipedia page and youtube videos and 
you know, elegantly wasted and everything else. So I, 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 I did it to myself. Well, I, I can understand that. And I will say without revealing it, that my number 10 was led by my okay. interest in that well, band. We'll, we'll, we'll save that. Luckily, I, I know what the scoring is ahead of time. So I'm, <laughs> I'm cheating. So, All right. Uh, the next song, this is uh, the last track on side A. This is the title song. This is Psychedelic Furs, Pretty and Pink. And I've heard plenty of people complain that the original Pretty in Pink version should have been included on the soundtrack instead of this re-recorded version. But other than more guitar and a little more polish, I don't. Am I missing something about the gripe? Because I don't. I don't know if I see that much difference between the two songs. I listen to them both back to back, and there's a little bit more of a, a kind of a raw sound to the first one, I, but. I had heard somebody say that the the saxophones were more prominent in the 86 version, I, which I didn't okay. find that I to be true. Um, but the vocals are definitely more polished. They're, those are definitely polished up. This is an interesting choice for a title. I know that Andy in the movie wears a lot of pink, but that's not the pink that they're talking about in this song. Yeah, no, it's not a positive. <laughs> it's not painting her in a positive light. It, uh, from what I understand, I'm not 100%. You guys might be able to uh, correct me on this, but isn't it about like someone who's yeah. really easy? Yeah. And yeah, yeah I mean, she's, basically she's... She's sexually promiscuous. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. and if you've... I've seen... So I've seen Psychedelic Furs live twice and Richard Butler will even mention and and put a little dig on he's like this is based off of a movie not really you know and so um <laughs> so anyways i i love this band this is wayne this is this is a band that i think we need to put on um we need to put on our list of records to to revisit because or or just a top 10 I, I i'm not sure that their album's go top to bottom like some we've done but i this is a great band and i i'd love to at least do a top 10 list or an essential. would would this make this would this song make the top 10 for a psychedelic first top 10 though mm, I, I think lower i think so yeah i i don't think i, I there's and i like i say i gave this a 10 i gave it a 10 for a couple of reasons number one it's the the i don't know that how it inspired the movie other than he heard the song and was like, I want to make a movie called Pretty in Pink. But other than that, the, the, the subject of the, of the song doesn't match the subject of the movie. But I will say this. I have never heard this song and not air guitar that riff ever. In fact, just, just two weeks ago, listening to it, I was listening to it in my truck on 
the way to the grocery store. So I go into the grocery store and I take my phone out, I put my headphones in and I walk into the grocery store and this comes on. And this is just a testament to no matter where I am, this I'm in the grocery store and all of a sudden big arm, big air guitar. And nobody else could hear it. So I can only imagine what it looked like, but. I have never heard the song and not done. Well, that. just like we're supposed to dance, like nobody's watching, we're supposed to air guitar, <laughs> yeah. like nobody's yeah. watching. <laughs> and that's what I did. So it got it got extra points, uh, and I put it on top for okay for those well, extra. Uh, this is my top. This is my top score as well. So believe it or not, you and I are matching matching top scores for a change. I don't remember the last episode that we can say that. I, I don't know that there has there been one. I maybe maybe one I don't know all right Eric so uh we told you our scores what uh what score are you giving this so this is one that I I actually wanted to score higher but you know the the other ones won out for the reasons I said but um I gave this one a seven though uh, on a personal level um Psychedelic Furs is one of those bands that have always resonated with me so you know I i if I could have given like two tens, I probably would have given this yeah. one a 10 along with OMD. Um, but you know, I went, th- it, it was really, like I said, it was a real challenge to try to push songs down the list. I was like, I really don't want to give this one a seven, yeah, <laughs> but we I never said our scoring was fair. Never. Yeah. yeah. We never said that. So, but yeah. you got to have that. Yeah. It's got to be a base. All so. right. Let's flip the record over. So first song off of side two, this is New Order Shell Shop. Who wants to get get us started with Shell Shock? I, you know what, this is not my favorite New Order song, but I, I, uh, this is probably the song. This is where, uh, positively, I can't remember the rest of it, but the Rave Up song would fall right in here. Uh, like I say, I think they should have used the other, the other uh, New Order song that was in the movie. Um, yeah, I told, I totally uh, forgot to 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 do that after all of our scoring. I forgot to do the positively lost me uh, comparisons all right let's let's go back for a second <laughs> so let's let's go track by track on side side a maybe maybe that's easier that we do that do it after we're, we're finished with the side so positively lost me better than if you leave yes yes okay uh better than left of center yes I think I yes. already know the answer for Jesse Johnson. Yes. Do I even need to ask? <laughs> All right. Better than do what you do. No for me. I, I'm going to say yes. I'm still going to say yes on that. I'm, I'm going to say yes on that as well. Better than pretty in pink. No. No. no I, I can't. No. Yeah. Okay. So Love the song, but no. Yeah, there's four songs off of side A that, okay. All right. 
Let's get back to Shell Shock, shall we? Sure. This is not one of my favorite New Order songs by any stretch of the imagination. I wish they would have put Thieves Like Us totally. on the soundtrack instead of, of instead of Shell Shock. Yeah, I I don't think of Shell Shock as one of those pivotal moments in the in the movie. You know, the the other New Order songs that are in there, uh, Elysia. Am I saying that right? So that that's I, a, I, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite New Order song. Okay. All right. So that that is in the movie as well. That's part of where Andy is confronting Blaine about backing out of the prom. Um, And then Thieves Like Us is where she's putting together the prom dress. So very pivotal scenes. And I don't even remember the scene where Shellshock is, where where Wayne, you've watched the movie twice. Where is Shellshock in the in the movie? I think he might be in the record store. I think they're in the record store. Okay. Okay. All right, but I did hear it. This is this is my second least favorite song on the on the soundtrack, so I'm giving this a two. Eric, what's your score on this? So I, I actually gave this one a six. Um, a lot of that is because you know I, I love New Order, but okay. uh, it's one of my least favorite New Order songs as well. Had they put Thieves Like Us on there, um, it would have gotten a much higher score. But yeah, it's just one of those that has never really connected with me i have played it a number of times on the show i've played it in the club but not very often in fact if i had a request for that one and i had a perfect kiss i would go for perfect i would go for perfect kiss i would just be like yeah i'm not gonna play that one you know just and it's I, i try to be as impartial as i can be you know especially if somebody's requesting because that it means enough to them they want to hear it, so I try to still play them. But it's one; it's just one of those tracks that uh, just is never really connected with me. Yeah, yeah. How how many times have you played Blue Monday in your career? <laughs> oh my god! Okay, so next to Bizarre and True Faith, I would yeah. say that's probably the most played song that I've ever done, but from New Order. And I would I would venture to guess that I've played that one a thousand times. Because it played so many times over the Real Music Weekend. Uh, hands down, most requested New Order song on SMV and in any of the club nights I've ever done. And you probably had hands to down. play the Orgy version too, didn't you? It played that a little bit. When that came out, yeah. we played it on the Real Music Weekend. And uh, yeah, did it a handful of times at Cairo and Ibar, but not that often. Most of the time, and there are a lot of purists and they, they want the original Blue Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these bands, you can play cover versions and they're all about it. And uh, ones like that, like uh, Blue Monday, New Order, um, people, it's like if you play the cover, there's a Love Spit Love cover of How Soon Is Now from The Craft or one of those uh, shows. Okay. So it's a cool, cool version. Yeah. Um, But uh, more times than not, if I played that, I would get like people calling, why are you playing this? You know, play the original. The other, it's so much better. So, right, right, all right, Wayne. What uh, what score are you giving this? I gave it a five. I like New Order, so the the song gets a little credit for that. But um, I wouldn't put this above uh, the Rave Ups. But I gave it a five. The rave Ups definitely kick kick this one in the butt. So, agree. Right. Yeah. All right, um, and I never found the. Uh, exact pronunciation of the next artist. 
So is this Beloy some? Uh, or or B B Lewis some? How, how do you pronounce this? I've heard it pronounced a number of different ways. The one that I've heard the most is Belui some. Belui. But I don't know okay. if that's I don't know if that's right either. That's just what I've heard the most. All right. And that's how I usually say it. All right. And I heard Belui some. Oh. That's probably oh, more accurate. Oh, look at that. Okay. Well, this is a this is their song called Round Round. And I always thought that that was the band name. I guess it's not. It's the stage name for this British musician, Neville Knightley. And he did have some other minor hits in 1985, Imagination and Some People. Um, and th those are both really good songs. Yeah. Any idea whatever happened to this guy? None whatsoever. I haven't looked him up to see whatever... I he might be on one of those, uh, you know, 80s tours that's happening in the UK. It seems like they're pulling him out of the woodwork. Good good luck finding any information on this. I, I did spend, I don't know, probably 10, 15 minutes trying to just Google some stuff, YouTube some stuff. I couldn't find much other than, you know, I saw the, 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 the few videos that he did back in the back in the mid 80s. So um, so I've got nothing other than I kind of like the song. Uh, I did. I did give it a four, Wayne. Which I gave it a six. It has a classic new wave sound that I think definitely fits in with this movie. Yeah. And I hadn't heard that name in so long. And there, I, I don't believe this is the song that I'm thinking. Of. I know I have it somewhere. Um, there's another song that I think was more was bigger at least or more popular. Probably some but, people. Hey, you know what? I, yeah. But you know what? Hearing it and then. Um, just really, I was like I say, I guess it had a freshness to us because I hadn't heard this song in forever, and uh, I wouldn't put it above the rave ups, uh, but I, I did, I did like this. Yeah, gotta say, yeah, this this doesn't this doesn't uh, fare very well up against the rave ups. So, all right, moving on. Here is Danny Hutton hitters with "Wouldn't It Be Good." Let me ask you guys this. If this would have been the Nick Kershaw version, would it have gotten a higher score than what I'm about to give this? 
Yes. It, absolutely. Okay. So are you guys familiar at all with who Danny Hutton was? Or is? <laughs> I, Very I little. Guess it yeah, is. He's still alive. Bit. All right. So three three dog night. That's, that's all I know. That's all yep. I know. So he was one of the three lead vocalists in Three Dog Night. Um, he also was a singer songwriter for Hanna Barbera Records back back oh, in wow. the mid mid sixties. Um, <laughs> after Three Dog Night broke up, Hutton actually managed a punk rock band that you guys are probably familiar with, um, Fear. Oh wow! What, what was the band? Fear. Oh no way! So. I'm wondering if that's the reason why John Hughes had him on the soundtrack, because I can't understand why a this version is on there and b why he's on there. So uh, that could be a licensing thing. It could be okay. that, you know, uh, Nick Kershaw didn't want to um, give permission for it to be used and so they just had a different artist record it. Now he would still obviously still get residuals, yeah. but you know, it's not his recording at that point. It's another artist's interpretation of it. So, you know, all he really, there's not really much, I don't think he really would have a whole lot of control over it. So that may be what have happened is it could have been that John Hughes just really loved the song, thought it fit the uh, Nick Kershaw didn't want to get permission. So they just got somebody else. Yeah. But Nick Kershaw is actually on the pretty in pink. It's not on the actual soundtrack, but Whistle Down the Wind. Well, oh, oh no, no, that's uh, yeah, Whistle Down the Wind is uh, Nick Hayward. Oh, okay. I got the Nick's wrong. Yeah, same spelling. Okay. First name, I think, okay. are spelled the same, yeah. but it's, the, yeah. Okay. So I got, I got the Nick's wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, I gave this a one. Yeah, I gave this a one. This, the thing about this is I heard this song and it, I, the I, the craziest way to find it out, but I'm listening to the song and it when it's playing, I'm like, why does this sound so familiar? And then he starts singing, and I'm like, this is horrible. I, this is terrible. <laughs> then I'm so I'm listening to the soundtrack in my Windows Media Player, and every once in a while it'll cycle through and it'll show the composer. And so I'm listening to the song, thinking, what a terrible job this is. And all of a sudden I see Kershaw, and I'm like, that's why. And then I, I, I couldn't, he, his version is so bad. I wasn't even associating with, with a song I love. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that I did not give this a 10. Um, <laughs> I actually gave it a two. So, and positivity without a doubt, rave ups a yeah. uh, million thousand oh, yeah. times oh. better. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if it would have been the Nick Kershaw version. Oh, give, that, give, it give would me, have give me be an hard idea. to say. Yeah. Give me an idea. Top three. Yeah. Yeah, probably the top three. Yeah, if it if if it had been Nick Kershaw, I probably would have gone at least up to five, probably six, because it, it would have bo it would have beaten out New Order without a doubt. Um but I don't think it would have beat out Psychedelic Furs, which was my seven. Yeah. So probably six. Yeah, this would have beat out left of center when I gave that a six. So all right. Good, good, good conversation. All right, moving on. Second to last song. This is Bring On the Dancing Horses. Bring on the dancing horses with everything we 
And the beauty of me knowing what people's scores are ahead of time, I'm going to turn this over to Eric because I know because <laughs> I, I know he he has to be passionate about Echo and the Bunnymen. They are one of the first bands that I really got into as far as like the um, psychedelic influenced artists. Like I never made the connection at the time um, to the Doors. Okay. I did. I I don't know why, but just didn't connect those dots. But um, you know, in, in later years, probably it might have even been the '90s when I started going back and listening to some of the the Doors and going, "Wow, wait a minute, Ian McCulloch was really influenced by Jim Morrison." I didn't think so. Um, you know, the uh, probably. 12, 13 year old me, when I first heard Echo and the Bunnymen was like, I've never heard this sound before. You know, the, the um, uh, Will Sargent, you know, his, uh, or, or uh, Pete DeFreitas, or is that the one that, who does the guitar? Is Will Sargent does guitar, right? Uh, Will Sargent's yeah. guitar work is like, I, to me, I had never heard anything like it. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit of a fan of Echo. So I gave them a 10. Um, mainly because uh, of, of being such a fan of that group, but also because I felt like this one was written specifically for the soundtrack. Yeah. And anytime that I feel like you're putting an artist on the spot where they have to create something for a soundtrack as opposed to just organically in a studio, you know, because it's uh, going off of a concept or an idea that they'd already been playing around with, you know, then that makes me give them even more credit. You know, because I was like, how they came up with that. I, I think it was, it had a different name. It was okay. Jimmy something was the original song title. And then it became Bring On The Dancing Horses. But anyway. So, so yeah. just based off of me hearing the podcast with, with, uh, with Peter and you, uh, you talked about your love for the church. When I, when I sent over yes. the scoring, I'm like, this is going to be Eric's top score. So, so, so I pretty much <laughs> nailed it because I knew knowing that you love the church, I kind of figured that Echo and the Bunnymen would, would be your wheelhouse. So, um, yeah, they, they share some, some yeah. things stylistically, um, definitely. But, uh, whereas Echo and the Bunnymen have more of an edge with, with yeah. their guitar work. Um, but they do share the, the psychedelic Absolutely. elements. All right. I gave this an eight. This is one of my favorite songs off of the, 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 the album. I was not very familiar with Echo and the Bunnymen prior to getting this soundtrack. So this actually caused me to, uh, to go out and get um, songs to learn and sing. That was one of my staples back in the, the late 80s. Yeah. Um, so great, great song. Uh, Wayne, uh, what, what you got? I gave it an eight too. I love Echo and the Bunnymen. I love Ian McCulloch's voice. It's so deep and dark. And uh, I like I say, I think, and I didn't know, I've never really put the Doors connection. I know that one of my favorite covers of all time is their cover of People Are Strange on the Lost Boys soundtrack. Yes. And totally. uh, I never really heard that all, you know, it, but I, but through the rest of their music, but yeah, I love them. I like Lips Like Sugar, all that stuff that uh, I'm yeah. a big fan. And uh so much so that I even actually bought some Ian McCulloch uh, solo stuff. So Mysterio from, what was that, 92? Yep, yep, yep. That's the one with the honey lover. drip I on mean, it. I, I played the crap out of yep. that album. And see, that one was cool because that was happening right in the early 90s when all of the psychedelic stuff was being, you know, the, the electronic yeah. psychedelic stuff was happening. So it, it was right at that time. Like, that's another one that got crushed by Nirvana. As soon as Nirvana happened, all that other stuff just, 
you know, and, and I was listening to that simultaneous. So, so full disclosure. So, uh, Wayne and I both grew up in Tacoma, Washington. So we were, we were right there during that explosion, but I still went back to a few of these, these bands that I fell in love with during the eighties. And, um, well, we'll, we'll talk about the, 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 the next song. Um, this is, uh, this is the Smiths. Please, please, please let me get what I want. Um, this was, I mean, I, I listened to a lot of Morrissey during the early nineties in conjunction with listening to Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. So, um, all right. So here, here we go. Good times for a change. See the luck I've had can make a good man turn back. So please, please, please Let me, let me, let me Let me get what I want this time It's a little hard to just get a small clip for this considering it's less than two minute long song. Anyways, <laughs> I could probably play the entire song and get away with it, but... Um, let, let, let's talk about how great Morrissey is because we could probably, we could probably go oh. on and on uh, uh, to gush on Morrissey. That a doubt. Yeah. Um, I gave the, and I gave this a seven, but only because I, 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 I was letting like this, like uh, bring on the dancing horses I knew was written specifically for the movie. So I dropped it behind that. Obviously pretty in pink was the inspiration and, and, and so what, so I dropped it behind that. And then I, I got all nostalgic over Michael Hutchins and I Morrissey's still alive. So he, he dropped behind that. But uh, this was, uh, I thought this song, one thing about it is I thought this song was perfectly placed and Ben, you know, this was number one on the de- yes, disappointment was. list. And when Ducky's laying in that bed, knowing that this girl is never going to feel that way about him. And this song starts playing. I was like, John Hughes or Howard Deutsch or whoever decided just, they just nailed it right there. That's this song. If you're when when it isn't all working out, this this is the song that plays in my mind. And of course, not the first time that John Hughes put this in a movie as well. Oh, he did uh, the Dream Academy's version of it in uh, Ferris Bueller. Absolutely, absolutely. which I love that version too. Me too. Um, But for different reasons, like I I will always love this one for its stripped down, simplistic nature. One thing I thought was odd too, I just want to make sure because it drove me crazy. I was looking at the poster on the wall in his dilapidated room, and I'm like, I know I've seen that vampire with the robot somewhere before. That's an album cover for YNT's Down for the Count. <laughs> nice. Seems odd. Which completely, which completely does not fit yeah, yeah. at all. That's why it bothered me so much. It's like, where do I know that from? Where have I seen that? And so I looked it up. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So for now, the the newer generation, though, that would be totally normal because for millennials, like they, everything gets blurred together. Like during our time, um, I'm not sure exactly how old you guys are, but I'm I'm sure you're from the same era. Uh, But, you know, being, being a a seventies baby, eighties child, um, you know, the, you remember there were very distinct groups of people. You know, like, you know, and they didn't really intermix that much. And, uh, you know, like the metal guys just hung out with them and that's, they just listened to metal. They weren't listening to right. the Smiths. 
you know, uh, whereas now they just kind of, they all blur together. So it probably wouldn't be uncommon to have, you know, uh, a Y&T poster while listening to the Smiths for millennials. Absolutely. All right. Not hating on them, but no. you know. summertime girls. Come on. <laughs> that's right. Well, that, and that's the song that's on that album. Yeah. That's why I said that. That's why I said that. <laughs> oh, you must've been, you must've been. No, 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 no Google here. All right. Uh, so I'm giving this a nine Wayne. Um, what I say? Oh, seven. Yeah. I gave it a seven. Oh, you just about pulled a Netta. No, no. I already, I was like, I already oh, said, okay. and now I'm, right. I'm, I don't want to, right. I don't want a Netta. Yeah. I split it. I'm I'm at eight okay. on this one. Okay, we're we're pretty consistent across the board, and and is it because we all love the Smiths, or is it because this is a great song? It's for me. It's both. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, okay. obviously a Smiths fan, but um, I mean, you know, Wayne totally nailed it with the placement of that song in the movie is just perfect, and uh, you know, the fifteen year old me. Um, you know, relating to being in that position because uh, I was definitely not the, you know, jock guy or, or um, the popular kid for that matter. So I could relate more to uh, being in that position. Oh, uh, we, we could relate. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think there were, there were many comparisons of Ducky to me during, during the, uh, during that era. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at our scores. So, um, any guesses what number one is? Uh, pretty in pink. Um, oh yeah, it's pretty in pink. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so average score of nine. We all gave it pretty high. Wayne and I both uh, had that at ten. Eric at seven. Um, second, with an eight point six. That is bring on the dancing horses. We've got the Smiths at uh, three. Actually, now now that we're talking about the Smiths, we didn't ask. How does that compare to positively uh, left? Yeah, you can't. Um, I'm sorry. They can't. They, yeah, they can't. Okay. They can't beat okay. that. I feel like they're they're two different you know types of songs. Um, they really are. So it's hard. Even though I mean, some of the other ones were they were very different from positively lost me. I just I yeah I can't on that one. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, Smiths was our third. If you leave was our fourth and do what you do in excess because Wayne totally <laughs> uh, threw threw off the the chains on that one. So that's so that's our that's our fifth. Uh, any guesses what our worst uh, least favorite song is? Danny Hutton hitters, I hope. Oh yeah, Dan, Danny Danny definitely was our was our least favorite. All right, so I'm going to throw this out as we wrap this up. Um, where does this stack up in the greatest soundtracks of all time? Hmm. It's it's right up there. I know. Uh, I actually was looking at. I mean, I. I mean, Purple Rain's obviously up there. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. It's hard. It, others, it, but. it would be easier if I if I had a list, you know, to compare them to because it's right now. I'm trying to think of other soundtracks I've liked over the years. I mean, the single soundtrack is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think for for that era, pump up the uh, volume. Pump up the volume is great. There are there's a couple you know kind of not so good ones on there, but you know putting the UK surf mix of of uh, you know wave of mutilation on there. Um, everybody uh, knows at Leonard Cohen cover. Uh, I mean there's bond, yeah. yeah there's there's some really good tracks on that. 
So it, it's yeah. it's hard. It's hard to uh, give it a a number. If we're if we're doing it between just John Hughes soundtracks, um, I would probably put this one because it's it's easier for me to do it that way. Um, I would probably put this one mm, about third because I think yeah because I think I really like Sixteen Candles first, followed by um, uh, Breakfast Club, then this one. Okay. Even even though well, if we did con- just comparison of the original soundtrack that got actually issued, so the pretty imp- uh, the um, sixteen candles only had what five songs on it. Yeah, that there weren't very. I, I'm thinking more songs that were in the movie, so I guess that isn't accurate. Okay. I probably can't okay. do that. That's not accurate because I didn't think about yeah. the the actual soundtrack. Um, I was thinking more all the songs that are like uh you know there the divinals track ring me up is in there. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. some really good songs in that movie. And I, and I actually really like the instrumental, that Kajagugu track, the first one that starts it off where, you know, she says they forgot my birthday. And then you hear, you know, it's, it's that yeah. instrumental that's from the white feathers album. And I, I think it's just called Kajagugu. I think that's the name of the song, but so there's, and you know, uh, you were talking about Nick Hayward. He's in, he's on that soundtrack and specials are on there. There's a lot of good stuff. So, yeah. but soundtracks, if I, okay, so I have to kick that one out. Let's say some kind of wonderful then I'll put that one in there. Okay. Yeah, that was good. All right. Uh, I, I will tell you where Rolling Stone had this. So they did, they did a uh, list back in 2013. They put, uh, they put this particular soundtrack just barely missing their top 10. This was at 11 of all time. Oh, brother, where art thou? Beat it out for the number 10. Oh, okay. That's a good one, too. They had singles listed at 20. Um, Purple Rain was number two. The Beatles' Help was their top their top score. And, and luckily for Wayne, this was compiled in 2013, so he doesn't have to hear me gush on how the, a Star is Born soundtrack <laughs> should be high. <laughs> With Chris Christopherson and Barbara so. Streisand? Uh, no, not that one. So, all right. So, uh, last question for you, Eric. Yes. Uh, and I'm, and I'm totally lifting this question from Peter. Um, and, and he told me it was okay to use this question. I'm starting to use it on podcast episodes. Um, cause he said, I think I borrowed it from another podcaster somewhere down the line. So go for it. Uh, his question is, who do you know that I don't know who would want to join us on this podcast? to revisit uh, some of their favorite records. I think you should uh, talk to Smile and Dan, the guy who I, I went to high school with him. He DJed with me at a okay. Cairo and independent bar. Um, super, super into music. I mean, between two of us, we, we, I learned a lot of music from him because he had lived in, in Southern California, um, you know, up until around 87. And that's when I moved out to West Orlando and uh, we both went to high school together. And so he turned me on to different groups. And then, uh, you know, I had known about bands from, you know, Rollins and UCF and other IRS's cutting edge and all that. So I turned him on to some music and just, uh, you know, he's a great encyclopedia of music. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to chat offline and make that happen. That, that, that'd be great. Totally. Yeah. It's been a, been a pleasure revisiting with you. 
Yeah, thank you. I, I loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was great. So, so tell us where people can catch uh, Sunday Night Vinyl and how they can contribute to your Patreon. So if they're in Orlando, actually, they don't even have to be in Orlando nowadays. I, I, I keep forgetting the fact that it's online. But um, here in Central Florida, it's on WTKS, uh, Real Radio 104.1 on the FM dial. But it streams through iHeartMedia, through their iHeartRadio app. So if you either go to the Real Radio 104.1 website, you can listen from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern time zone. Um, or you can just uh, go through the iHeartRadio app and listen to it anywhere for that. And if they want to help support, um, we love it because it's it's going to help ensure that we can stick around for a, a while. I'd like to be able to try to get this on other radio stations and not just be on, on uh, Real Radio, but branch out onto others as time goes on, um, they can contribute by going to patreon.com slash the ups and downs. And uh, when you get to the page, you'll see a guy with um, his hands on his cheeks like uh, Home Alone. And that's that's probably the easiest way to let people know okay. that they found it. And uh, yeah, All right. join in that there. Sounds great. You, uh, you, you planning on going to the church when the, they're back here in a couple of weeks? Almost definitely I'll make it to that. The, I did catch them when they were here uh, about a year and a half ago. And and that show uh, was amazing. It was um, sweltering hot because the air conditioning broke. But my uh, my wife, knowing how big of a fan I was, um, you know, surprised me with tickets and paid for the uh, VIP experience. So we actually got to go and, and meet Steve Kilby, the lead singer. Aww. And so, I, and I brought in, I have a seven inch for one of my favorite songs by them is, um, called, uh, it's no reason it's from the seance album. And it's one of my introductions to them. And I, I found the seven inch and, uh, and brought that in and, and he signed it for me, which was like really cool. I was like, ah, this is awesome. <laughs> and got to talk to him about, you know, uh, the, those records seance, not being one of his favorite, uh, but the, uh, remote luxury, which is actually a combination of two EPs. Uh, that's another great one. Uh, Heyday is awesome. Blurred Crusade. Uh, I'm going to stop because I could go <laughs> on and on and on about the church albums because I love them. Great. All right. So you're going to play any of the Pretty in Pink soundtrack on your next show or did we just ruin it for you for a while? No, actually, you know, um, after talking about it, I, I, I'd be interested in playing. It's going to be tough. I'm going to have to try to think of what one, you know, because kind of the go-to is usually Pretty in Pink. That's one that people... I get the most requests for, you know, for that one. I don't really get a whole lot of if you leave requests, but uh, from week to week, definitely get pretty in pink. Um, but I may try to go and do a different track off of there. I did, I did bring on the dancing horses a couple of weeks ago. So, and I try to, I try to like, you know, let some time go between playing the same songs, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look to do one of those tonight. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Well, so Thank you very much for coming on. All right, let's wrap this up because I know you need to go prep for your show. So here we go. Thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Visit a record store. And not just on record store day. We are Records Revisited. And we are out. Out. out.